Hey, Angelo. Hey, Tony. Hey. Hi. I, I, uh, last time I talked to you was about seven months ago, to July. Um, I had a pretty major shift and felt great for about a week. And I was like falling down the stairs um, <laughs> in, in the sense of, uh, yeah, all that stuff I've been running from, I couldn't run anymore. And uh, it all started coming back. And uh, also at the same time, a lot of, uh, I guess you'd call it Kundalini, which I'd had Kundalini experiences, but it was like all the time. And I started doing some TRE and um, I've been basically sitting for like three days, three, four days a week for a couple hours, um, just just being with it in the body. I, I've, um, I've, I've done Vipassana several times and uh, makes it very easy to do, although um, I wouldn't call it pleasant. Um, I guess part of this is just a check-in. Um, <laughs> In the sense, I, I, I had text uh, commented a couple times in a couple of the uh, Windows Lives about the, the, I mean, I didn't realize at the time until I saw one of your videos on shadow work that what I had done is I had really slipped underneath and uh, not a lot of thought going on, uh, a whole lot of just experience of well, I, I've had some chronic pain as well. And when you go to the body, thoughts are a great way to keep out of the body. And when you go to the body, um, all those other things are there too. And they've been there. And uh, I would say the worst was a couple months ago. I, I just, I sat one day and I was like, I can't take this anymore. And I said, okay, well, I'm just going to take it. And uh, since then, I just feel... I feel like there's the light at the end of the tunnel, which I'm hoping isn't a train um, coming the other way. So I'm just kind of, you know, and and, and uh, you know, I love what Tony's Tony's been saying. I mean, yes, uh, everything's somatic. I mean, it just I I've spent my entire life thinking, and now it's just in the body. And uh, I, I guess my question is, how long does this last? <laughs> I mean, is it? Go ahead. I was just going to say, Tony, Tony may have something to say for you. <laughs> I, de I definitely understand the question. So what if I told you is forever? You can't get out of it. It will always come back or come up because it's, it's like what you are, right? Just like I was saying to the last girl when I was, uh, when I was talking about, um, when I was talking about wanting that, the, saying no to the experience, it's like saying that that's, like, how long is that going to last? And I'm not making fun of you in any way. I did that all the time, all the time. Um, but saying that there's a there's a subtle no there to the experience that's happening right now. Um, so, um, you know, when the bad when the bad is up there and it's happening, it's like, oh, you know, how long is this going to last? What what is how long do I have to go through this? You know, that's all a thought. And all that suffering is happening like right now. It's that thought that's making you suffer. You're feeling it right now. And then, and then like, when is it going to end is a future thought, but that thought's happening right now. And you're believing that thought. So there's all this suffering coming up, right? So you're, you're resisting now experience. So you're saying no to it. And then like, you know, you might have, I used to go through these periods about a year and a half ago where I would have these like weeks or two week period where it was like the suffering of the world energetically, it was just so heavy and hard and just sucked. It sucked. And then um, it would go away. It was like, a, it was like a storm. It was like conditions would form and it would be like category five hurricane and then it would dissipate and then it would be beautiful. And I would have like the greatest flow and it was like no resistance to life. And I was like, Hey, I'm doing well. All right. I fixed it. It's all good. You know? And then it would come back again. And then about two weeks later, it, it happened so much that it, I, I would talk to Angela about this it happened so much that it felt like, you know, like when you're, when you're somewhere in the, in the, and you feel a star, a storm start brewing and then energetically in the air, you can feel it. The temperature changes in the, 
and then you know and all and you know it's going to rain or it's going to you know the hurricane's coming or snows you know you feel it in the air it's like a an, an electricity in the air and you think oh it's going to snow today it, it it felt like that with emotions it would i could feel the storm and i knew like two days in advance i feel like a little creep and then the storm that category five suffering would come back in and i'd be like oh. and i'd be like and i'd be like when is this going to end and i would how long is this going to last and then when it would go away and then the, the the immense flow would come back in, I'd be like, all right, it's done. It's not coming back anymore. And it and it kind of felt like it beat me over the head until I accepted. Yes, like I stopped resisting it, stopped saying no, because most of the suffering in those experiences is the no. Because it's like when you say no to that, it's like sandpaper rubbing up against itself and it makes it so much worse. But if you can get to that yes and accept it and just say, whatever is happening right now is what it is, then it cuts off. I mean, it literally right then will cut off like 20% of that suffering in the moment. And it gives you just enough space to relax a little bit. And, uh, you know, you start to you start to feel it. And and then, you know, it, it it's like you are the storm and you are the flow. And it's not being done to you. It is you. And, and when it fully accepted and you, you dive deeper and deeper, deeper, and then you become that. And then it's, it's, it's just different. It's not even the same thing that it was. And uh, for right yeah. now, things are kind of even out both ways for me. So it, it could come back, but it's okay. You know, it's like, it's, it's just, you just kind of have to look out for that. No saying no to experience and not let them, let the, that resistance build because the resistance is most of the is most of the suffering. Yeah, in right after Thanksgiving, I, uh, I kind of mentioned I, I had a day that just was was awful, and it, it was no, and then I just said yes, and and that it, it has been a, a, a huge turning point for me because I realized that I could, I didn't think I could take it, and I realized I could. And uh, what you said is kind of my assumption that it's just going to keep, you know, it, it's the no. And um, I was just hoping maybe there was something else. But that said, I mean, I, I the other thing was, you know, I, I kind of fell under the water and I'm like, well, OK, I got I can do this for a few weeks. Um, but after several months and realizing that. Um, no, being present is being present. And uh, I'm really noticing now how much I was using my thoughts to stay away from that. And in fact, much, a lot of my friends have been like, what is what is up with you? Because I, I don't talk as much. Because I'm just trying to feel this situation, feel the room, as it were, feel my thoughts, feel what I'm saying, what other people are saying. Um, and it gets very subtle, um, which also, when you have some chronic pains, then, I mean, I, it's just all right there all the time. And it's taking a while to get used to, I guess is where I'm at. So there's not really a question. It's just more I wanted to make sure I wasn't doing something. I wasn't like overlooking something obvious, but yeah, not. Part of, part of that suggestion about every time you think a thought is to come back into the feeling of the energetic aliveness is you're kind of getting yourself used to and in, in time, like if you do that throughout the day, you're kind of getting yourself used to saying yes all the time when the waters are calm. And then when the, the storm comes, you've gotten kind of used to that habit and then it comes and it's much, it's much easier to say yes and not get dragged into the mind. Uh, nobody, I don't, I don't know that anybody, was more distracted and in their mind than I am. It was my coping mechanism when I was from being young. Uh, and then after I dealt with it emotionally, all that was left was the habit, but it's an extremely strong habit. <laughs> and uh, Well, so yeah, that it, the habit, I agree with that. I mean, that, that's what it feels like at this point. It's just, and you, and you talk about the, this, it's like, yeah, I can feel the storm coming. And, yeah. and, and I can, it's like, well, I'm just going to have to go through it. I, I can't, I, cause I used to do everything, anything I could to avoid it. And now it's like, no, actually now it's more like, okay, bring, bring it on. <laughs> Let's get it over with. Um, but it is, 
the, the habit is really strong. In fact, that's kind of, you know, you go and you have this amazing shift and experience and experiencing what I am. And it's like, okay, I don't need that. And yet the habit of just no, the habit of no is so strong. So thanks, Tony. I really appreciate it. I don't have anything to add. <clears throat> I think um, Tony covered it. And uh, well, I will add one thing. I think you're oriented just fine, actually. Um, and and sometimes I like to make these analogies that are silly, but you know, the mind is so funny when it when it does things with time. Like uh, it'll say, like, how long do I have to keep doing this, or when will this end? And it's if if you believe that thought, it's almost like it's actually looking for the end to, to suffering. But it's that's not what it's doing. It's getting your attention. That's so it doesn't really want an end. It just wants to get your attention. <laughs> um, it doesn't know anything about time because there is no time. It's made up. It's literally made up. It's only time only even feels real when one thought relates to another thought in sequence and you're identifying with it because those sequences are so ingrained in your behavior pattern of the mind. So um, yeah, they're just red herrings, really. They're they're not anything, those thoughts, those those beliefs that, oh, I'm I'm the one that wants to finally find peace. It's like that's not even anything. Like the peace is here. When when the when the tendency to just avoid seeing, hearing, and feeling what's actually happening stops, it's already here. It really is. But the tendency, the habit, and and you can you can reverse that habit. You can break the habit. And you're, you're yeah, right. and 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 I know when I sit with things, it it they they release. They do. So I mean, it's not that I'm like, oh no, here we go again. It's it's yeah, it's just good. more like, oh god, you know, we, okay, <laughs> ah, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Angel. Right, you're Thanks, welcome. Tom. Okay, let's see. We got uh, Ashley. Hi. Can you hear me? Sure can. Nice to see you. Oh, nice to see you, too. Um, I just wanted to share an experience that happened, I guess, yesterday. Um, so when you say life is our best teacher. I think this is probably one of the best examples that has ever happened. So I was working yesterday and ended up taking a pretty good spill off one of our ladders. And the the feeling of fear and anger just in that moment was just so strong. I don't even remember what exactly was happening before this thing happened because like the it's like blank. But basically one moment I was on the, like, it was like a two-step ladder. So basically I was on the top step of the ladder and then I was on the ground. And it was, I think if I have a question with this, it would be, can something like this trigger like an emotional release that is, I guess, kind of been building for a while? Because that's what it felt like happened over the next, like, undistinguishable amount of time it was like that emotion was kind of had been building up for a while and then it took something and then released i i do find that life really seems to make sure you get put in certain situations and interactions with people and whatever to feel what you need to feel i i it really seems like that because sometimes if the conditions aren't set up for it you may not you may overlook it that there's this this trigger in there somewhere Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, physical threat to your, your, your health or something, you know, like a potential injury or whatever it is, the situation where you, you feel that anger suddenly that was completely, you know, at bay or wasn't, wasn't even on your radar at all. Life just has a way of showing you these things. Like it, it just seems to be that way. It definitely was like that for me. Many people I talked to seem to go through similar things where, um, <laughs> It just kind of drops these breadcrumbs, you know, and, and the, the key is openness to just being willing to see, feel, you know, really recognize what's happening here. Um, and instead of getting identified with the mind in those moments, just being like, whoa, this is like rage. <laughs> like, ah, oh, I can feel the rage, letting your body feel it. And that's, that's really it. Yeah, it was, it was just, it was, there was that fear was very strong and there was no, like before I would have totally like ruminated on well, what exactly was I doing? Like, how could this have been prevented? All of those questions you go running through your mind and it was just like, mm, no, just feeling the pain. That's <laughs> pretty yeah. much everything that's happening. So yeah. 
there, it's nice to not have that rumination along with just feeling kind of what's there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Did you pull through? Are your body okay? Oh yeah. I, Good. I think I might've bruised my foot and whatever, and I'm pretty sore. Like I feel like I fell so that yeah. <laughs> it's, I think the worst, like it, it feels worse today, of course, because I'm about a day after it happened, but it, it, it could have been a lot worse though. Cause where I fell, we actually have an Island that's pretty close, like a Island where we do like pill packs and all of that in the pharmacy. And had I hit my head, it would have been a lot worse. So oh, that, yeah. was, that was very thankful that I didn't hurt myself more than what I did. So I'm glad you didn't as well. <laughs> yeah. Nice to see you. <laughs> yeah. Nice to see you too, Angelo. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Uh, we got uh, Josh. Hey, Angelo. Thank hey, you for buddy. taking the question. Hey, um, I have a question on choice. And like, what is choice? I'm not 100% sure what my question is. But uh, in the past, I used to put a lot of pressure on myself to like, make the right choice, a lot of self-judgment, a lot of self-doubt. And lately, I've been able to separate that, that part of the mind and just watch it and then move forward without um, so much like, pressure and like all the emotions attached to it. So I'm kind of like wondering, like, is there a choice? Is there such thing as like living in alignment? Um, something like that. But I, I, I've been sitting on this question for a while and I, I can't seem to put actual words to the question yeah i mean i can just give you a couple of my own reflections one is i would say there's there is a sort of alignment but it's not in the way we talk about with thoughts and choice it's not like that there's an alignment with the synchronicity or the natural flow of, of life and that alignment it, it only really comes when the mitigating experience of self is out of the way then it's all this stuff is very obvious these questions don't come up it's just really obvious but, um, but there is a sort of alignment to something maybe almost called like intuition. Um, but it, but the, the other part of it, I will, I will say is like, I would say people who know me well, like see me in like day-to-day -day life, or whatever, probably would think I'm reasonably decisive. I don't second guess things. I kind of just do what I do and move forward with things and don't, you know, and things seem, seem to work well. And I also can be pretty, um, uh, I can get a lot done. Like sometimes I just need to, um, and it to, myself, I can reflect on it and see too, that like that, the way it is for me now in comparison to what it was like, say 25 years ago or whatever is night and day in the past, I would have really believed in choice and I would have beat myself up over making the right choice and comparing possible answers and all this, all this stuff going on in my mind. Now I can see that even though that was happening, the, the, the quote unquote choice that would be made, which wasn't made by an individual separate self, cause there isn't one was already there. It, it, it was just going to happen. But the mind, static in the mind is all about the emotion of fear of making the wrong choice, fear of doing the wrong thing, fear of everything. And that's where all that comes in, all that static. And that's what's not here now. Now it's like very obvious what to do. I don't know why. I just know what to do. I know, and I don't even think about, I know what to do here. I don't think about it as a choice or just a flow of experience. But I, I would say for me, the choices seem to be better made now. No deliberation. I trust the I trust what happens. I trust the flow of experience and choice is really only a retrospective reflective thought. <laughs> That's my experience. I would say that when I try not to choose things also work out a lot better. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's like, there's like this, like you said, like the static and I can hear it. And the mind is like going back and forth and I'm just going to be like, all right, well, it's this. And then yep. I, I go in that direction and things seem to be moving a lot easier and a lot smoother. I'm wondering yeah. if there's any further like inquiry or way to orient to this. And and I don't know if there's a progression to this or just. Yeah, I think it will, it. it will deepen and clarify till there, there isn't even a sense that there was a choice to begin with. But um, um, the only thing I was going to say is if, if you feel in your head about anything, like if the choice is a quote unquote bigger choice or more a choice with more gravity, say, and you do tend to get up in the mind about it, I would look for the emotion. What is the emotion that I'm experiencing right now? That, that and and you'll find it. 
a fear of something, right? It's going to be a fear of making the wrong decision, fear of humiliation, fear of loss of safety or security. There's all kinds of fears that, and it's always something, you know? And so that's what I would look at if that comes up, but otherwise it'll, it'll just clarify. And once you see the fear, what do you, where do you go from there? Just see it clearly. Um, and the, if you feel the fear, then you can inquire into what is the belief behind the fear? That's really helpful <clears throat> often just to notice it. Oh, I have this belief that if this, if I make this choice and sometimes it'll bring you back to like a childhood event or something like a really sentinel experience that can really unlock things. But a lot of the time it's just, Oh, one more belief, one more belief. And as the belief gets recognized as such, and the emotion gets felt as such, then you don't get into that weird place where it's just like a slingshot effect up into your mind. You don't even know what happened because it happened so fast. Then you have much more access to just dropping into the sensation field, the energy field. Is it helpful to question the belief like, oh, here's a belief about failure. Well, do I really believe that? Of course I don't believe that. What could I believe yeah. instead? I'll believe something positive. Is that helpful? I wouldn't necessarily try to replace the belief. I don't usually talk about that, um, doing, doing that necessarily because I just found it doesn't, you don't need to actually. What's what what's revealed when you get rid of essentially the tendency to identify with any belief, <clears throat> what gets revealed is so surprising and so um, enjoyable that I wouldn't take the time to try to structure other beliefs because it's it's what happens when you disidentify from beliefs that that is so astounding, actually. The really fundamental beliefs. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm going to work with that. Sure. What you got, Tony? Uh, <clears throat> Angelo's got a lot more experience and clarity with this, but I'll give it my best shot. <laughs> uh, it's it's like watching a football game and your mind is the commentator in the stands who's not playing, but wants to comment one moment after something happens and pretend like it's uh, in control over what's happening and can control the game. Um and, and yeah, you're right. When the more you are out of the way, the smoother it goes. Because uh, it's going to go where it's going anyway. And, um, you know, but you have right now, you have the belief in the commentator. You are the commentator. But the game is still going on. The good thing is you're not the commentator. You're the game. Commentator is apparition, like I said in the interview. Uh, and uh, apparition is beautiful. It's It's great but it's, it's just along for the ride, you know, and just on a technical level, I would just say, uh, I would just say, just, just test it out in like self-inquiry during the day. And you could do it all day when you're walking you'd be like, am I, am I moving this body? Am I really? And your mind's going to go, yeah, I'm moving the body, but really look at it. Are you walking or is it just walking by itself? Are you driving your car or is it just driving the car? And you're kind of watching or, you know, uh, but the, the most important thing I think in this situation is uh, the clear scene. It's like when I talked about in the interview with the apparition is I saw all the power was in the clear scene. You don't have to do anything. Anything that you want to do is the mind wanting to control the experience. So your best weapon is just looking as closely and carefully as you can in practice, in inquiry, any moment you have, you know, you're, you're serious about, you know, doing this and, you know, I'd stand in the checkout line and just stare at experience and, and, and I would watch other people's beliefs and I would watch my own and I would watch, you know, what I would do and, um, you know, what the mind would say about what was happening and, you know, if that was helping or not. And, just, just the, the, the best, one of the best things I've discovered about this is you don't have to do shit. Doing stuff is like the mind moving away from this to control the experience. And if you go, Hey, you're moving away, you're trying to control and you come right back to this and just stay with that sort of clear seeing it will, it'll chop its head off. <laughs> you don't have to do nothing. <laughs> it'll chop its head off for you. And you just watch. Awesome, Tony. Thank you for that, too. Okay, we've got, um, I think Michael's had his hand up. Oh, I'm sorry. Mikhail? 
I may be saying that wrong. Van Haren. Yeah, hey, Angelo. Can you hear me? Hey. Yes, can I sure can. It's uh, Michiel. I'm from the Netherlands, so... Michiel. Michiel. Yes, that's okay. it. Okay. Hey, it's uh, really great to, to uh, be able to talk to you like this. It's, uh, I'm getting a bit nervous, but... Um, yeah, I, I was going to say... Um, like many people, I guess, I sort of got into spirituality through a relationship breakup about five years ago. And um, I read uh, The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle, and probably didn't really understand most of it, but I could sense that something was there about thoughts and uh, could sort of see that, okay, if I actually don't listen to all these thoughts going on in my head, for one second, and I don't feel so fucking depressed for a second. So it's kind of like the chicken story. Um, but then I didn't really do anything with it for a few years. And um, yeah, after another recent uh, a recent breakup a couple of months ago, I started uh, getting into it again, and I came across your channel on YouTube. Um, yeah, so now I've been really diving into this whole awakening thing again, and I went to your retreats, your uh, your online retreat in December, which was really cool. Um, I haven't really had any sort of realizations yet, but uh, sort of consuming a lot of content. Um, and I watched your interview with uh, Pernil de Moor, uh, where you were talking about the feathers. And you, she asked you about, so you were talking about desire, and she asked you what your biggest desire was before awakening. And uh, you said something like it was finding the perfect romantic partner. And I thought, hey, that's that sounds very familiar because that's really the place where I find myself uh, a lot too. Um, with this belief that I need this sort of special someone to make me feel okay and then everything will be okay and otherwise I'm not good enough. Um, and now I'm starting to understand more and more that I need to look inwards for answers and for peace and happiness. But it's, yeah, just really prone to get really in my head about this particular desire, ruminating and trying to find some kind of certainty or reassurance. Uh, this can be pretty painful and frustrating. So I guess I wonder if you could just say a few words about this specific fixation, because, uh, yeah, you said it was something that you... Uh, you were fixated on as well. Sure. Maybe yeah. how to work with, how to work with that. Yeah. I would I would do based on what you said, it kind of came to me towards the end of what you're saying. I would or I what I would consider what what comes up to me as you talk about it is looking um not just in what it is you want in in this setting, like meaning I want this kind of partner and this. I'm sure you have a whole idea of who would be the perfect partner for you and stuff like that, right? Or what you're attracted to or whatever it is what the kind of things you want to do and and what your life could look like with that person and all of it. That's all fine. And it's usually pretty prominent in people's experience. It's not like you don't have to dig to find out that that's the big want you have in life. And many people, that's true for many, many people, of course, probably most um, to some degree or another. So, uh, but what I would suggest is looking at, ask, inquiring into, and you could do it through writing. You could do it through just asking the question. You can do it relationally with another person or a group or anything or a therapist, but looking into what it is you really want to get out of that. What it, what do you think it's going to give you? This is a, it can be a hard question to ask because part of us doesn't want to look that closely at it, but, um, and, and we're not used to that. We're used to using our mind as fantasy. So a lot of this is fantasy stuff. We're using the fantasy of the mind because it feels good to think certain thoughts. Um, we use that as a sort of pacifier to, to actually strangely just avoid what's here right now. Um, but the, the, what the hooks around that are often what it is we think it'll give us. Right. And, and noticing that we actually want that right now out of this experience, we're trying to get it out of this experience, but we're trying to get it in a very roundabout way. And then also looking at what, what your fears are around that. So if I, let's say, if I just never had a romantic partner from here to the rest of the, this life, what does that make me feel and why, right? Do you feel fear? If you feel fear, what is it? What are you afraid of? What do I really think that partner could give me right now that I don't have already? Look into it. You know, what is it we're looking for? Are we looking for validation? Are we looking for validation, maybe even from the same from our from our peers? 
um, in a competitive way? Are we looking for security? Are we looking for someone, to, you know, and really break it down. You might find like something really bizarre, like that person's job is to make me feel good all the time. <laughs> right. Um, and is that, is that even possible? Could that even happen? Is that even possible for any human being to do? Right. But really breaking it down in a granular way, I think can be helpful here. Um, yeah, that's my thought. Which, Makes Tony, sense. Tony, you got anything else? Yeah. Um, <laughs> a funny, I'll, I'll tell you a real quick funny story. Uh, a few weeks back, I went to the movies with my friend. Uh, been my friend since seventh grade. So we know each other very, very well. And um, uh, he broke up with a girl. He had been going out with her about a year. And uh, we went to the movies. He was super depressed and he was like, let's go to the movies, man. And I was like, all right, let's go. And uh, so we went and uh, he was talking all the way over in the car, man, I don't know what I'm going to do without her, man. And this dude, he's like 47. I'm 47. So we're the same age. And he's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to do. And it's interesting to watch it from my point of view. And I'm watching it. And I'm just seeing the mind, his mind just, you know, toiling. And he's just like, you know, she's, and this, and this girl, honestly, is like red flag central, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I've been like telling him like, yeah, you may, may want not want to mess with this one. Um, but you know, your friends are going to do what they're going to do. Right. You can't give advice to people like that. Um, so we went to the movie and he was super depressed about it. And it's like you said, the chicken thing, we started watching the movie and it was really good and he forgot all about it. And he was like all into it. And the movie was over. And we were outside talking before we get in the car. And he was like, oh, man, so great. And his whole his whole persona changed, his whole presence. And then I was like, yeah. And I and I, and I I was like, oh, he's going to start. But I kept trying to talk about the movie because I wanted to keep him in that space. And then we got in the car and some song came on. I don't remember what it was. It was some love song. And immediately he heard that song. And his mind was like, oh, we're supposed to be upset about this. And he immediately was like, man, dang. It was a great movie, but I started, you know, thinking about it, you know, and he starts in the, the story starts up again, you know, and I don't want to diminish it in any way. But but my point with you is just like the chicken thing with me. It's like we're all so funny, you know, it's like it's not. It seems deadly serious, you know, when stuff like that's happening and, and you, you watch how the mind will lean into it, it'll hear it'll hear a song and it'll go, yeah, man, that's about me. That's my relationship, man, man, this is so unfair. I love that girl so much, even though she's, you know, sleeping with four other guys, she's the one for me, you know? And it's like, it says all this stuff. And then it's like the song, the song will put you in that mood. It's like, what, like, like I said before with the chicken, what that, what the hell's going on here? How can I be in this saying, being feeling this way, go to this movie and then love it and be like, Oh, and then all of a sudden hear a song about something and then go right back to it. It's like, something's weird there that's that's the kind of threads you got to pull you know you gotta you gotta look for when the mind wants to grab on to the story and here's the song and it, it, it you, you kind of got to look for when the mind leans into something it's like desire and aversion it leans into something or it leans away and it wants to claim it and, and uh you know that's what he was doing and it was so fascinating to watch not in a judgmental way he's, my, he's one of my best friends but it was so fascinating just to watch that mechanism it was, I was watching his apparition dude go through that, but I also could see that nothing right there that was choosing it, or in that moment, the attention got directed to the movie and not to the person. And all of a sudden he was very happy and we were having a great, fantastic time, you know? So that's what the, that's what the practice is, man. That's the path, you know, seeing, seeing how empty it all is and, and that it doesn't mean shit other than what you give it, you know? Hope I'm not being too direct with y'all. <laughs> I'm pretty new at this. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I don't mean to be a I don't mean to be a sledgehammer, you know. <laughs> you're doing you're doing fine, man. Yeah, it's, it's very rec very recognizable anyway. Like um yeah, when after the breakup it was like depressed, but it's not like hundred percent all the time. There's moments that you can still sort of okay. I, I, I watched a funny movie and I felt great about it and just then those thoughts they can really scream at you and really convince you to you have to think this thought you have to think this thought if it can disappear in a moment in a movie 
or in, you know, if you, if you were going out with her and then you, you broke up with her and then like you won the, uh, you won a billion dollars three days, you know, a couple of days later and all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, it's like, it's like, do you see how that can, you can see the emptiness there, the, 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 it's, it's, it's projection. It's projecting out. And then the suffering comes back. You believe that thought or you believe that love song. And, uh, you know, what, what's, what's, what's kind of funny is that, you know, the mind, the mind, the ego is this world, you know? So all the songs are written for the ego mm-hmm. and all the media is out there. And, and it's like, it's, it's beating you down all the time. If you're, if you're not paying attention, which is why the clear seeing is so important. And, and, and you see it, you start to see it out outwardly. Then you start to see it, what you're projecting instead of what the world's projecting on you, you start to see what you're projecting out in the world and that all that power is right there that you can drop it. Mm. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that's easy. Believe me, if you saw my interview, interview, you know, it was not easy. And I did not, uh, I did not go down easy, uh, in that regard. Um, so I'm just saying from someone who's been through the war, you know, you can drop it. Yeah, I, I was going to say I'll, one thing I wanted to add for you is to, to look look at and consider, because I remember this very clearly. For a long time, I didn't notice when, like I noticed the conditions, like say whatever, something would trigger an emotion or um, a heady experience. So we're talking about breakups or something, right? Like you might start, you might hear a song and you hadn't been thinking about that person, right? And all of a sudden the song comes and part, if you look really closely, what's happening is there's an emotional sensation and it's like, it's kind of revving up. It's like, it's just building a little bit, maybe because the song came on or something, but the mind will try to grab your attention before you really even notice that. that and that it's like trying to protect you from feeling that. That's, that's how it is, but like for me, and I see this in people a lot for a long time, they don't actually notice that the emotional feeling is revving up. They're just, they just find themselves in the story suddenly again. Like Tony was saying, like you're, you're just fascinated with the story of the movie and talking to your buddy. And then all of a sudden, boom, the next thing, the narrative is carrying you right into that same storyline of how bad you feel, et cetera, et cetera. When, if you can notice that the, there's like a bit of a cascade that the body's starting to feel something and, and you're being protected by the mind very quickly by going back into a story about it, even about that. Um, and you, you have an opportunity to go, wait a minute. It's actually a sensation. It's primarily a feeling. It's a sensation. Yeah. Being able to sort of ride that wave of sensation when there's an, like when there's an on-ramp to the mind instead of going on the on-ramp. And I think that's a phase that, it's like an intermediary phase in this whole process where you can recognize the trigger, recognize what what's starting to actually happen and recognize that the mind is trying to, uh, I might say your will is trying to use the mind as a pacifier. The mind's actually innocent. It just spits out thoughts, right? But there's something like will, there's some, you know, that this grabbing onto that thought train instead of just riding the emotion, um, feeling the body, even if it's rather intense. Which when you're in new situations, it can be rather intense. If you've never really been in a relationship and all of a sudden you're in a relationship with a great person and you know connecting in ways you hadn't before and then that ends, there's going to be some very intense emotions you haven't probably recognized before. But it's okay. Just because they're intense doesn't mean you can't embody them. You can for sure. But the the intensity will trigger the mind to go, no, 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 no. We need to think our way out of this, or we need to think about this or ruminate or you know, all those things that the mind thinks it's feeling. It's not actually feeling. It's distracting from feeling. So noticing the on-ramp and realizing like you actually do have the ability to stay with the sensations that, um, that you have the capacity can be helpful. Okay. Thank you. Welcome. Okay. Let's go to, um, Tamiko. Hi. Hi, Angelo. Hello. Hi. Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for doing this. And I've never asked a question before, and I'm so nervous. I don't know what's going to come out, but I raised my hand. But That's fine. No problem at all. Yeah. Um, but the question that I, that, that I have is, 
you know, in it's an energetic question, right? I feel like for a number of years, there's there's a sense of not having edges. And like, it, it just feels like I'm kind of really energetically out here. And, and, you know, just from what I've seen in other in non duality teachings and, and around, you know, it, it's like, I'm aware it's like, what's well, like a thinning out of self, that's, you know, a, a, a natural state or thing. But there's there's always this sense in in my mind of like this background thought running of I need to be more grounded I need to be more grounded it's almost like this thing of I think it's like a wish to like stuff a genie back into a bottle and it's like no I can't stuff the genie back into the bottle and and I it's like this feeling of you know kind of a thinning out but it's it's kind of woven together with hypervigilance, which and or anxiety and fear. So they're kind of they're they're there together. And um I I just I it can be very torturous because I feel very like torturously affected by the energy of people around me. Um, even like a, a I, I have an idea that I'm feeling what's out there in the collective. Um, and I've, I've one, one thing that's been helpful is I watched the Fetter model videos where the, the, the ones on reactivity have, have been very helpful. But I just, I wanted to know if, if you might have any just like general impression or advice? Tony, do you have anything or do you want me to start? Uh, before she said it, I was going to say, check out the Fetters, <laughs> the Fetter videos, uh, Angelo's playlist with uh, the Kevin, I can't say his last name. I don't remember what it was, but all those are really good. Really, really good. Especially, you know, what you're looking at. Um, yeah, that's what, that's what my suggestion was going to be before you mentioned it. <laughs> Yeah, so I would say a couple things. Uh, one is many people um, experience what I might say is like an aspect of non-duality rather naturally. Um, our, our brains actually have to do a lot of work to try to make the world seem like there's form and shape and distance and all those. Th those are all produced. Those are produced experiences. That's why there's nothing magical or even really mystical about non-dual realization. Non-dual realization is just finally seeing seeing as it is, seeing clearly. That's all it is. But everyone's a little different, and I, I find people like on the autism spectrum, for instance, often as kids, they they have they see certain senses probably far more accurately or experience certain senses than other people because because they experience them in a, what they describe often is almost like a non-dualistic way, but it's rather invasive when you're trying to form an identity that has to have ego boundaries. You're trying to form an identity and the sounds are so invasive, like you can't take your attention off and they're just like overwhelming. Um, that can be challenging, right? So, um, but even uh, aside from people with, uh, are, who are on the autism spectrum, um, there are many people who do experience certain aspects of the sense fields in, in what I would call maybe more of a non-dualistic way. But it's not the same thing as non-dual realization because non-dual realization is is really a shift in identity for sure. Um, it, it's a shift in the experience of a separate, discrete self with body walls apart from a world. And part of you is probably like knows that that, that that's something that's accessible to you because you taste it in certain settings or you're, you're naturally more porous than, than the average person, let's say. Um, but the, what gets in the way of of it is emotion. It's, it's repressed emotion or fear essentially. Um, and reactivity can, can significantly increase the effect of that, uh, of course. So it is good to look into the reactivity. Um, I have a playlist called equanimity. You can look at the fetters four and five and look at Kevin Shanelik stuff. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but what I, oh, and when you're more porous like that, you, you're probably accurate, accurate in your 
assessment that you do pick up other people's energies, you probably start to feel their internal states and you'd probably even have their thoughts without realizing it, or at least their thought patterns. And you'll feel like it's you, you'll identify with that, right? Strangely, this can all be pretty easily um, dissolved after non-dual realization and deeper stages of realization. Um, But it can be very challenging for a while, right? And like, how do I build that boundary when energetically there actually is no boundary? (laughs) And you can pick that up empathically. Um, What I would tell you, really the key, it's come up multiple times in this this Q&A, but um, for you a key that can be really, really helpful, especially when you're around other people is to actually keep your attention grounded in your own body. Simply, yeah. simply that your own sensations. And you, you'll notice the pull to, to get like engulfed in their energy. But if you keep your attention in the body, you'll notice you'll have more and more capacity to actually keep your attention here. You, part of you, because you're so empathic, probably part of you will almost feel like you're neglecting them but you're not neglecting them. You don't, you're not, you don't have the responsibility to regulate other people's energy, even though you probably have the capacity to, to some degree. So training yourself to actually physically put your attention in your own body in those, at those times, you might notice a big difference. Okay. Thank you. I, I try and do that. It's very difficult. And otherwise when I'm by myself, I'm a very physical person. I do a lot of physical practices and, you know, but mm-hmm. it's, it's very difficult. And, um, and it, it's been like this for years and years. And it's it's like when I was, you know, I there was a point years ago, I feel, feel like I was a much more grounded person or a denser person energetically. And so- um, Are you, Have you been to retreats before? Do you, do you mean like your retreats? Yeah, like a silent retreat specifically. Yeah, I, I mean, I did, I did your retreat over the summer and recently and i've i've over the years i've been in um a lot of settings of like ashram i lived in an ashram okay in in i i don't know if you know ama i don't want to talk about other spiritual teachers i know but, yeah i know who she is of course okay anyway but um you know i i i've been connected with her for years and lived in her ashram and i i've done vipassana retreats and i you yeah. know zen, zen yeah. I was going to say, those are good environments to test out the difference energetically between the way we normally communicate and the way we just communicate through just being present and in, in movement itself, because that contrast is actually surprisingly stark for a lot of people. They don't realize how much energy goes into like communication and, and constantly using communication to reinforce that you're a you and I'm a me and we are a we, and we have, you know, it's, it's very, it's actually very heady being around people. Um, until it's not. But a lot of times those environments of silent sitting with a, with a group of other people can be really, really helpful when it's clear that I, I don't have a responsibility to uphold their ego or to interact with them verbally. So now my attention is totally free to put in my own body. And you can start to feel so natural in those environments, but you've, you've had experience. So that was one thing I thought of is if you hadn't done that, some, some practice around that. Um, but the other thing I would tell you that might be more valuable is when you say it's really hard to do this, I believe you that it can be very hard to do what I'm talking about, but I would look into why it's hard. Like when you're, when you're in those environments and as you're feeling into it, just ask yourself, like, what is it? What's the pull here? Actually, what is preventing me from just naturally resting my attention in my body? What emotions are there? Right. What are the beliefs you have? And you'll, you'll probably find some beliefs that you feel a responsibility to continue to help other people uphold their identity structures, um, in one way or another. And, and look at that closely. And the more, the more you clearly, you see any belief, the less effect it'll have on you. Mm. Yeah. I would unpack that for sure. Because you can, you definitely can, you can exist in a way where you can be around people energetically centered, um, and clear without feeling this total enmeshment energetically. You definitely can live that way. I know it may not feel like it because you're so used to it, but, um, but that, that's how it is Like we, with us. We all have these certain kind of identity textures and they make the world look a certain way. And and when it's been that way for so long for us, we, it's very hard for us to imagine it not being that way. First of all, you, don't, you can't imagine it. It's not about imagining. It's actually an energetic shift or realization. But, but by investigating it and looking at beliefs specifically, this can be really helpful for you, I think. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I, I realize it's like I, 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 when other people are hyper vigilant and their energy field is That's kind right. of way out here, I don't like being around it. Of so, 
<laughs> you know, it's like, I don't yeah. want to, you know, it's, it's uh, being like on higher alert and it's, mm -hmm. I, I, I know it's. <sighs> when you, when you, here's, here's what I also found. I can't, I can't tell you how it will be for you, but this is what happened for me for sure. And actually Ama is like a perfect example of this. When you get, when you get better at closing the, those gates in a way, keeping your attention centered in the body or just in your own sensations and your own emotions around other people, when you get better and better at that, you'll actually start transmitting it. You'll calm the people around you with, you just will, it, it happens little by little. And the more, the more fully, um, steeped you are in that, that, in that kind of mountain of emptiness, which becomes very juicy and, and powerful where it doesn't actually matter what's happening externally at all. It doesn't matter if there's a bunch of people, no people, you know, scared people, calm people, doesn't matter at all it, it, because there's so much, um, I don't know how to say it. There's no word for it. It's, it's an, it's a profoundly full empty feeling <laughs> and your body sense is your conduit for that. And then you'll start the environment around you will literally change. It's just like Ama. It's not something she's doing. It's her energetics that are actually allowing that kind of, um, experience with everyone around her. I, I look forward to that. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. You can also, I also thought of this. If you, if you know somebody, a good friend, a, a Dharma brother, sister, whatever, someone who you can sit with, see if you can actually practice it, sitting with them and telling them what you're doing, sit side by side, or even do eye gazing and then notice what happens inside you. And, and, and you're with a person who's giving you full permission to not, um, to not have to like, uh, stabilize them empathically or anything. They're, they're giving you permission to explore your own experience, but they're offering their own energy field to just be there for you to use as a sort of neutral, um, um, uh, almost like a laboratory, you know, and find, find out what happens in your own body in those experiences and see, do that, does that person actually need me to, to be in their energy or do they not? Maybe they don't at all. And yeah, my guess is a lot of it has to do more with less about what you're getting out of it. Although there, there may be something there probably more about what you believe you have to be for other people. Absolutely. I, yeah. That feels accurate. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Good luck. I want you to tell me sometime later how, how this exploration has gone for you. Can I say Thank something? You. Please do. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure at the beginning what, what you were asking. So I gave you kind of a shitty answer. So let me try again. Um, what with my mom, my mom has, uh, she's a, she's a real bitter lady. Uh, she's about 70 now and she's got a real, real negative mindset. And like you said, when, when somebody like that's around, you really feel they invade. Yeah. You know, like he said that you, you think their thought, she feel their feelings so whenever she comes to visit it's like my wife and me both are like oh shit you know that's how that's how it's been you know all these years and um she was supposed to come at christmas but she got sick uh and it was like you know my wife my wife almost want to throw a party because she was like all right we get to have christmas without without you know um you know, and I was talking to her about that and I was like, you're, you're having a thought in the future about, uh, you're suffering about something that's coming in next week, you know, and she's like, yeah, I am doing that. Um, but, uh, when, after the retreat, uh, my mom did come and visit a couple weeks later after she was well and, um, she was here and she was, it was the same, you know, she's just like, she tells the same stories that's happened to her 15 years ago. She's, I mean, it's literally like a broken record and it happens every single time and I can feel it and I can feel that energy and it's real angry and I feel it. And it's like, Oh, um, but when she was here this time, it, it, it was like, I would feel that energy come up, but there was no resistance because for me, the resistance was always, she's my mom there's a lot of shoulds and should nots beliefs in that moment about my mom and, and, and reality and the way the present should be and the way the visit should be, it should be better than this. She shouldn't, you know, say all this the whole time. She should get over it by now. A lot of that. Um, but now it's like, I still feel her energy when it comes up, but it's without the should and the shouldn't beliefs and then just letting her be, 
as she is in her own her own journey and uh she's here and um that energy still comes up but then i feel it and it and it almost is like it just kind of it's not solid it's like it flows through you feel it but then it just keeps right on going and it's like that that buddhist uh thing where like the buddhist somebody hands you a hot coal it's your choice to take it or not and if you don't then they're the one that gets burned it's like my mom is the one in agony you know not me um and and then there's the question of boundaries you know if she if she uh she, you know has a lot of anger and it and it's like if she there could be a point within the boundaries where her narratives it's like you got to do something about this or i can't be around you it, that that could happen it hasn't happened yet but it could and that's you know well within your rights of your boundaries just for me to say something like that if it came down to it and she got mad about she's always telling me i'm going to hell she's been doing that for years because she's like a she's one of those like super christians but she doesn't practice what she preaches kind of people she loves the dogma but she doesn't embody it in any way in real life so it's you know it's kind of funny you know um and she said something to me the other day or when she was here visiting we were driving down the road and my wife was sitting in the back seat and she said something like something about that um and again hell all this stuff and she knows nothing about this we do she knows she doesn't know anything about it at all um i don't tell her it's none of her business um and the only thing i said to her was i said when are you going to do something about your anger and of course that was like you know she was like what are you talking about i'm not angry you know <laughs> and it was just kind of funny but before i would have got real mad or i would have got real you know it was like reactivity breeds reactivity and you're just fighting. And it's like, and then it's like that sandpaper, these two reactivity. And it's like, you know, you just let it flow, but you know, that doesn't mean they encroach on your boundaries. And there may be a point where you cut that off if you need to, at least for a while. Um, mm -hmm. But when you stop should and shooting a situation, you'd be surprised at how much more the energy flows instead of being like a solid, solid entity that feels like it's pressing on you. Yeah. I hope that was a better <laughs> oh yeah i'm gonna have to channel that i'm gonna have to you know it's it's um i but you're you're like a different animal i think where it's it's like i don't know i come from an asian background where it's like yeah. you know um uh there's there's a, a wiring that's a lot more servile but um i i aspire to to not care or not, I, I totally understand. Yeah. I totally get it. I totally get it. You know, it's so funny. The caring and not caring thing is interesting. Like uh, dispassion, I think what's really meant by it. Um, and or as someone, Tony knows, uh, has said, um, the death of the one who cares. It's it's a very fascinating thing. It's it's actually the ultimate act of compassion mm. to not to not push or pull on someone at all to have no relationship with them and they're right in front of your face to have no relationship with them they're not anything you're not anything and you're not requiring them to maintain any illusions at all then you'll see what's there and then it's it's so simple the boundary you may have to state a boundary if it's like if they're really encroaching on your boundaries but it'll be simple or you'll simply not react and just let them be who they are even if they're angry even if they even if you, the body you're you're in can feel some of what's going on it's just, mm -hmm. it's like a pass through, but it's, it's true dispassion. Um, but, but it's so fascinating because, because you're not upholding a fake du dualistic connection with someone, a relationship, you know what they are and you know what you are. And it's, but there's, it's not a thought at all. And it's so simple and it's so natural. It's beautiful. And you have access to it. I mean, you're right. Certain cultures can be much more challenging. Certain families can be more challenging. They're more nuanced. All of this stuff is true. Of course. But I promise you, you have access to to this kind of equanimity. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, yeah. And by finding your way to it, in a way, by by untying what you have to untie to investigate all this, you're going to learn something that none of us know. You're going to be able to say it in a way that none of us can say it. You're going to bring something forward um, into the world that's never been quite elucidated the way you can elucidate it by your own realization. 
Oh, okay, I'm gonna let that percolate, but thank <laughs> you. I look forward to stepping off the dance floor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your thank you for your comments and and everything. Yeah, very nice. Thank you. Bye. All right, we are at time. Um, I noticed who has their hands up or who a minute ago had their hands up. There's Frankie, Kate, Lubina, and um, Alyssa. I think Nico just went up. <clears throat> so if any if any of them are up next time we do a double barrel, I will call on one of you first. Otherwise, thank you everyone for all of your wonderful comments and sharing. Thank you so much to Tony for coming on and you did awesome, man. You were, you were great. Um, I think people are going to get a lot out of it. So. All right, everyone. Y'all have a good one. We'll see you soon.